Thank you to the worship student worship band for leading us this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're in John chapter 8. Take a week off of Acts as we, um, as I share with you kind of the theme verse of VBS. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. We'll be in verses 12 through 30 today. Um, <clears throat> I was, uh, I've been given a time limit, so hopefully that means your, the sermon will be quick today. And uh, we'll get to uh, having the kids share with us about VBS and so forth. Uh, several years ago, a friend and I, a coworker and I, were walking through our building uh, at the church that we worked at. We walk. We, we spent a lot of time in this building. We we could pretty much could walk it blindfolded. And this particular day, we walked into the uh, what would be the north entrance and planned to walk all the way through the building. We didn't turn the lights on. I don't know why. We didn't turn the lights on. It wasn't because we were trying to save the church electricity. I think it was just the fact that we were pretty confident that we would be able to navigate the building in the dark. And so we started walking, two grown men having a full-on conversation, walking in the pitch black. And uh, as we continue on, confident about where we were headed, I heard a horrible noise. That noise was my friend who I was walking with flipped over a chair, laying on the ground. And I'm just going to be really honest, because this is who I am. I I laughed hysterically. I I didn't even ask if he was okay. I just laughed uncontrollably. And even even when I was riding, you know, walking through the darkness illustration, I couldn't, I still picture him laying there and the noise and can see it in my head. And I still think it's very funny. Now, I share that with you this morning because many of us walk through life kind of feeling our way through it. Um, we're maybe even it's even dark at times or, or darker at times, and we're just trying not to stumble. I mean, you, you've been in dark places where you've walked through the dark, maybe in the middle of the night or something, you had to get up, and you're, you're kind of feeling your way through the darkness in order to get where you need to be. Listen, a lot of us in this room, that's how we walk through life. Like, we get out of our bed every day, and we, we just kind of take half steps and kind of keep our hands out in front of us so that, so that we don't stumble. And what we're going to see today is, is that Jesus has let us know that we don't have to walk through life in the dark, that he is the light of the world. And so as we read this text today, that, that is it. Jesus makes a declaration of who he is, and we're going to be left with seeing two responses. You either believe that Jesus is the light of the world, or you reject it. And we'll talk about those responses and what they mean for us today. So let's begin reading in verse 12 of John chapter 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. 
They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but, on the, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told, you that I, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just as I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do, not, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father had taught me. And he, and, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And as He was saying these things, many believed in Him. I think it's important to kind of know the context of where Jesus is at. He's the verse 20 tells us that he's in the treasury. The treasury uh, was, a, was a place connected there in the temple where people would drop off their offerings for different aspects. They, they were like these chests that they had that would be lined up. And the first two chests would be your normal offering that would be for the upkeep of the temple. So you'd drop it in there. The, the, the next several chests would be uh, materials that you would need for sacrifice, like wood or pigeons. And so you could drop your, uh, your offerings off in there. Then there was boxes that you could put offering to upkeep the golden vessels within the temple. And so all these people are coming through here, dropping their offerings in there. But that's not just significant to Jesus about all these people being here. It's also significant of what was taking place as Jesus was sharing this. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles. And in the Feast of the Tabernacles, there were two ceremonies that took place. The first was the pouring out of water, and the second was the illumination of the temple. Now, the illumination of the temple is the one we want to pay attention to because it happened in the treasury. In the center of the treasury, there would be these four poles high up in the air that had 65, about 65 liters of oil at the top of them. And people would climb up them and they would light them. And as they, as they, as they burned, they would burn so brightly it would illuminate the temple and it would be seen across Jerusalem. And so as Jesus is standing here in the middle of the Feast of the Tabernacles and the illumination of this, these poles would be there, and everybody knew that this, this moment was to remember about God's faithfulness with the pillar of light to the Israelites while they wandered in the wilderness. And that's why they did it. And so here's Jesus, all of these people in the treasury, this illumination of the temple happening, these Poles sticking in the ground that people knew what they represented. And he makes a declaration this morning. Well, he made a declaration then that we see this morning when he says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. And this, that's point number one if you're taking notes. And when he says, I am the light of the world, he is in essence saying all of these Old Testament promises about the coming of the light of salvation or, or the light of God, 
The, the light of the world was a clear messianic title. He was identifying that I'm the person that Isaiah 49, 6 referred to, that I was, I'm the one that brings light to the nations. It's, it's what Malachi 4, 2 says, but for you who fear my name, the sun being the bright shining sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. It was in this moment that Jesus is declaring that he is the fulfillment of those promises. Listen, those great torches symbolized a word that we don't use in our vocabulary today, Shekinah glory. Now, Shekinah glory is a fun word. They, those torches represented Shekinah glory, and in this moment, Jesus is saying, just like the pillar of light was protection and guidance for you, I am that now. That's who I am. I am the Savior of the world. As Kent Hughes said, when our Lord came, he sheathed his glory in flesh so that we could look upon him. As Jesus was declaring he was God, he not only was declaring that he's the light of the world, he was also declaring the benefits of those uh, who believe in him. And we see that at the end of verse 12, that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So you're in this room today. You've come into this room, and you, you might very well be one of those people who's walking through life with your hands out in front of you, half steps, not to stumble. Or you might, be walk, you might have walked into this room, and this is the best your life has ever been. It's a good season. The truth is still the same if you're walking in the darkness or you're walking in the light and it's ever been, that Jesus is the light of the world. Don't lose sight of that. That's the declaration being made. Now, also this. In this text that I read, verses 12 through 30, there are more statements about Jesus regarding his divinity than any other chapter in the Bible. Let's, let's just look at how he declared. In verse 16, we know he says he's the light of the world in verse 12. In verse 16, he says, I'm not alone. In verse 18, he says, I and the Father bear witness about me. He's connecting himself to the Father. He says, you need two, you need two witnesses for this to be true? Well, I'm one of them, and, the, and God the Father is the other. And it leads to the question where the Pharisees are like, well, then where is your father? And Jesus in that moment ex exposes the sinfulness of their own hearts when he says, you neither know me nor my father. For if you knew me, you would know my father also. He also says in verse 23 that I am from above. He also says at the end of verse 23, I am not of this world. And finally, he says in verse 24, and then it's repeated in verse 28, I am he, the phrase I am or I am he is I am the Messiah, the one sent by God. And so when we understand that this is the declaration that Jesus has made in this moment, he's connecting all of these Jewish people to this idea that he is the, he is the risen one, the Messiah, they were left with the response, you believe him or you consider him to be a lunatic? You reject him. And the same response is given to you and I today. When we meet Jesus as the light of the world, we either believe in him or we reject him. And so let's look at the two responses. Number two, you walk in light when you believe in Jesus. You will not walk in darkness. It is through Jesus that you no longer walk in darkness. When you place your faith and trust in him, you no longer have to walk in, through the life in the dark. He brings light and you have the light. The Israelites, their eyes were always on the pillar of fire. They watched where it went, they knew where it was going, and they walked by its light every night. 
They, 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 they trusted in it. No matter how dark the night became, they had the light that they could look at and follow, and they would follow it. No confusion, no fear, no stumbling ever happened. And when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we walk into this light. We don't walk blindly in our sin, but rather his light exposes the areas of our life that are not pleasing to him and where we need forgiveness and redemption. His light gives us guidance of how we move forward in a transformed relationship with him. And it ultimately leads us not just to a good life here on earth, but to an eternal life with him forever. But not only do you not have to walk in darkness, you have the light of life, as as verse 12 tells us. Listen, if you know Jesus then you have the light of life, and it allows you to dwell in this dark world. Listen, you probably can think about a time you've walked through the dark without any light. And, you know, if you're a parent of small children, your kids get up in the middle of the night, and you're traipsing across the floor, and there's all kinds of obstacles that got left out because you didn't pick them up before you went to bed, and you step on one of those Legos, Right? But in life, when we are not walking with Christ and we're walking in the dark, we're feeling our way through life, obstacles that should not be big deals become stumbling blocks for us. Listen, my friend in the student building, that chair didn't move. That chair should never have been an obstacle for him. But because we walked in darkness, that chair became a st- literally a stumbling block for him. And in life, so many of us are just navigating life by feeling our way through, and obstacles that shouldn't be obstacles are huge stumbling blocks for you. But when you trust in Jesus and you walk by the light of Jesus, you know how to navigate your way through this dark and fallen world. But notice not only do you have the light of Jesus, it's not only telling us that we have the light, but the word have also tells us that we become conduits of that light to the watching world. It's like the first grader. Trusted in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, went to school every day and with their first grade teacher every day said, will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? And will you hear about Jesus? And after several months, that first grade teacher finally said, I'll go to church with you. So she showed up on a Sunday morning, and over the next course of the next several months, she came back, and she came back, and she came back, and she heard the gospel message presented, and she believed in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, trusting in him. And that at the end, towards the end of her life, she was given the nickname Sunbeam. She was given the nickname Sunbeam. This first grade teacher who was invited by a first grade girl to come to church was now radiating the light of Jesus. That's why they called her Sunbeam. I think it's a beautiful story with Vacation Bible School. Listen, we want to share the gospel with kids, and we want to plant seeds of the gospel in their life. And they can go into their homes, into their schools, on their teams, and they can, they can share the light of Jesus, and it can change people's lives. But he also is doing that with you and I, that if we have the light of Jesus, he is, he's shining it in the dark places all around us so that they can know the truth and that the truth can set them free. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I hope I can live my life in the dark today. When people lose electricity, they can't wait to get their lights turned back on, Right? And we have the light of life living in us as believers, and we're given these opportunities to shine the light into other places. And listen, 
asking them to come to church with you, inviting them into a conversation about the things of God. These are the things that we get to do where God uses the light shining in our life to other people so that they can know Jesus and the truth can set them free. So this is what happens when you believe in Jesus. You walk, you don't walk in darkness, but you have the light of life. Now let's talk about when you walk in darkness and you reject Jesus. Listen, the majority of this text is not Jesus speaking to the benefits of following him. The majority of this text is him dealing with those who reject him. So many people. In fact, this conversation, if you go back to the verse, verse 12, and it says, again, Jesus spoke to them. This, this same conversation happened in John chapter 5 about Jesus bearing witness about who he was and people not believing him because he didn't have two witnesses. He's having the same conversation. This wasn't an argument that started in this moment when he made this declaration. It's a conversation that's been going on. And in this moment, Jesus basically tells them that, like, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. I think there's three key things he tells them. There's a lot of things he tells them, but three key things. The first is you will die in your sins. If you reject Jesus, you will die in your sin. Listen, their rejection came on a technicality. What what was that technicality? In the Hebrew system, the truth had to be verified by two witnesses. All throughout history, there have been people who have heard the gospel. They've been raised in a house where the gospel was shared and lived out. They, They were They were in part of churches where the gospel was proclaimed and preached. They've been to camps and vacation Bible schools where the gospel was clearly articulated. And there's lots of people who have rejected Jesus based upon technicalities like this. Well, these Bible stories just don't quite line up the way that I think that they should line up. So I, I don't believe. Or you know what? The Old Testament, the New Testament, the the, the how they flow together, and all. You know, I'm just not sure. I mean, I've been with people in Israel, guides and bus drivers who literally have walked where Jesus has walked and heard people talk about the Messiah and told me to my face, we don't believe. Because we're st- one of them in particular, we're still waiting for the Messiah. Technicalities. Listen, are you in the room this morning? And it's a hard question that we have to ask ourselves, but do you trust Jesus to be your Savior because he knows what's best for you, or are you reserving final judgment in case something better comes along? Listen, these guys, were they didn't believe him because they were waiting for the Messiah. He's standing right in front of them, but the technicalities are blinding them to the truth. Are you trusting God to graciously meet your needs even when you don't fully understand them, or are you clinging to a belief that you know best what God can do for you? Are you hoping and shopping for a better offer? Because I'll tell you this morning, church, only Jesus forgives sin and gives eternal life. No one else does. And apart from him, you will die in your sin and walk in eternal darkness. The second significant thing that Jesus told him was you cannot go where he is going. It's a reference to heaven and speaking about directly, directly about his death and his return to the Father. And listen, church, those who reject Jesus will die without their sins forgiven. And those who reject Jesus will not be able to go where Jesus is. This is the worst possible thing that can happen to you and I. The worst possible thing that can happen out of all the things that can happen in our life. This is the worst possible thing that you could die without your sins forgiven. And you will die separated from Jesus Christ for all eternity. And Jesus confronted their sinfulness. 
and showed them their need for a Savior. And it's the same thing he does for you and I today. He confronts us, he invites us to trust him, and he's ready to transform our lives. But here's the problem. We were created by God to know God and to enjoy him and to live life with him, but we rebelled. And because of our rebellion, our sin bars us from going where Jesus goes. It leads to eternal darkness. And so often we attempt to earn our way back by sincerity or religious activity or, or good works. And we try, we try to offset all of these things in our life. And listen, some of you have been sitting in church your whole life and heard this message over and over again. But I'm describing you. And the truth of the matter is, is that the only thing that's required of you is faith. That's what the text tells us in verse 24. But I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe. I don't have all the answers about the different parts of Scripture. And I I don't know all the answers to every theological or doctrinal question that you have. I don't know how to give you all the answers so that you can believe. All I know is this, that at some point in your life, you're going to have to have faith in Jesus. That's it. You're going to have to believe he is who he says he is. And listen, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he took on your sin. That he died the death that you should have died. And that he can give you life in heaven. And faith is not tied to your works and the fact that you have to do these things and then you can have faith. No, you have faith and then your works come out of that faith. And so for those of you that keep thinking that religious activity, if I go to church enough, if I read my Bible enough, don't you are still believing in your own self. Faith in Jesus is that you believe in him. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you really trust yourself with your eternal future? Your flesh, you did not even exist until you were born. And for some of us, that wasn't that long ago. For others, maybe a little bit longer. But it's really not that long in the big scheme of things. You can't even keep yourself from getting sick or hurt. You can't even guarantee that you'll be alive tomorrow. So would you rather not trust in God with your spiritual care, your spiritual life? Because here's the deal. This is the other thing I think Jesus says. The day's coming when we will all realize that Jesus is who he says he is. He says that in verse 28, that when Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Listen, I don't say this to scare anybody. I'm not into pressuring anybody to get saved, but I will say this. There's going to come a time when it will be too late to surrender and believe. And you will realize that Jesus was who he says he was. Not was, is. And so I conclude with this. To walk in the light means you have to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, there are two characteristics of people who follow Jesus. They surrender and submit and they obey. Listen, we have to learn the lesson of submission. Not just once for your salvation. Listen, Jesus didn't just save you from hell. He saved you to transform you into his likeness and into his image. Submission is not just surrendering to Jesus so I don't have to go to hell. Submission and surrender are so that Jesus can do a, begin to do a work inside of me that's going to transform me and to make who he wants me to be. No one woke up this morning and said, I hope I get to walk in darkness. Everybody wants to walk in the light. 
But the only way you walk in the light is surrender, submission, and obedience. Listen, some of you may be walking through a difficult time. You're confused. You're disoriented. Darkness seems to collapse all around you. Others of you in this room, this has been the best part of your life, the best season of life you've ever had. I will say this to you clearly. Everybody in this room, no matter where you are at in life, needs to surrender to Jesus. When that pillar of light came, the best place to be wasn't in front of it, wasn't behind it. It was right underneath it. And listen, this is where submission takes place because some of us want to step out before God because we think we know what's best. Some of us want to hang out until he proves himself to be what he wants to be. But listen, the best place to be is right underneath the cloud, looking upward in full submission and saying, I trust you to guide and direct and protect and lead my life however you lead it. And this is what we're left with. And so today you may find yourself saying that I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Truly, place my faith and trust in him. And today, salvation needs to come to you. And all you need to do is admit you're a sinner, ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, confess your belief in him as the light of the world, and surrender and submit your life to him. It's that simple. It's faith. It's believing. But for others in the room, you got a relationship with Jesus, but you're struggling in that relationship because you're outside of the light or you're in front of it or you're behind it. And this morning, you just needed to be reminded of this. Look upward and continually submit to the Lord and allow him to guide and direct your life. Listen, the invitation is going to be different today because it's we're not going to stand and sing like we normally do because we're going to let the kids come up and lead us in worship. We're going to hear about VBS. But here is the invitation. And the seat back in front of you is a card that looks just like this. Listen, I'm going to grab it. I want everybody to grab it. If there's not enough there, then let the person use their smartphone and scan the QR code on it or on the screen. I want everybody to fill out this card. And listen, you've got plenty of time to fill it out because the kids got about 15 to 20 minutes of stuff they're going to do with this at the end of the service. And each person in this room can fit into one of these six boxes. I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I want to learn more about following Jesus. I'm interested in being baptized. I want to know more about this church. I have a prayer request, which you can write out on the back of the card. Or I'm actively involved in IBC. If you don't have anything to mark except that you're actively involved in IBC, then just mark that. And when we leave, you can put them in the offering boxes. You can bring them to the blue wall. You can bring them to me directly up here if you want to. But I want everybody to think about how they can respond to the Lord through this invitation card. I'm going to pray for us, and then after I say amen, our kids are going to point us to the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word and the truth that's found in it. I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to be the light of the world. So that we don't have to walk in darkness. Father, for the one who needs to be saved, I pray that today salvation would come to them. And for those that are struggling to walk in the light, trying to get ahead of you or they're behind you or they're veered off to the side because they become distracted, I pray that today they would simply look upward and surrender and submit their life to you and trust that you know what's best for them, even when you don't fully understand, even if they don't fully understand. God, be glorified in our response. Thank you for these children, the work of, that you've done in their life. And thank you that they're going to lead us in worship of the light of the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.